0: TII item 333, January 10th, 2015. The death of paid apps in the EU.
1: Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone.
2: Hey,
3: cool! Oh, yeah.
1: My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of
0: my hand, and that I do everything with, and has become an extension of who I am. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn the top software, creative, and business skills from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com. To start your free 10-day trial, visit lynda.com slash TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is the Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeff wrote, Hi, Rob. I made this song called Polarize with my iPhone 4S using the GarageBand app. For free downloads and more, music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Regards, Jeff J. Well, thanks, Jeff, for the music and folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. also want to thank Bob for sending in the artwork for today's show. Bob wrote, Hi Rob, this is a photo I took of Niagara Falls. I used Pixelmator to create the page, including the text. I don't have a creative bone in my body, but I'm sure that the creative types could create some magic with this app. There's so much more there than what I've done here. And I should mention that I never consulted the help files. I am using an iPad Air first gen, and I was pleased at how well it ran. Regards, Bob. Well, Bob, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Bob's artwork in the free TII app via the bonus button for episode 333. Or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album or and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today in iOS. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. Oh, yeah. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, who continually proclaimed the imagined superiority of Apple's smartphones versus those of Samsung, now have grudging respect for the Korean giant and will soon be awed by Sony and LG. Unquote. Henry Long, Seeking Alpha, 6th of September, 2013. Well, Henry, hate to tell you this, but iHeads, as you call us, have no respect for Sammy devices. They are cheap iPhone wannabes, and Sony and LG, oh, sorry, not feeling the awe or even the shock. Just saying. No promo codes offer up this week. Sorry about that. Hope to have some for the next show. Quick reminder, if you are an app developer or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured in the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60 second or less audio review of your app or iBook, indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Well, let's get into the news. Looks like lots of people were dreaming of a white Christmas, as in Apple logo white. According to mobile analytics firm Flurry, 51% of new mobile devices activated were iOS devices during the week of Christmas. Samsung was a distant second at 18%, or a ratio of 2.9 iOS devices activated per each Sami device. The iPhone 6 Plus was one of the top five devices activated during the week. I guess This really is not news. We all knew that Apple rules Christmas. I mean, buying someone a smartphone that likely will be given away for free or for for two-for-one or three-for-one offers next month is not much of a present, i.e. Android phones. But getting them an iPhone or an iPad, now that shows you love those kids or a significant other. Because is that not what Christmas is all about? Buying your kids' love with electronics that have an Apple logo or a Beats logo on them? Or, as I've said in the past, getting someone an Android device for Christmas is the same as buying your kid an Axon Jackson when they really wanted the G.I. Joe with Kung Fu Grip. It's just one of those traumas the kid will never get over, not even when they're 48 years old and running a podcast. Just saying. If you've listened to this show before, you know I have no love for the Apple-hating press that is so quick to jump on Apple like a duck on a Cheeto for any possible bad news even when it's not true or accurate. Take the story that broke at the end of last month, that had Apple haters and Android fanboys tripping over themselves to re-report it. And that was supposedly Samsung had topped Apple in customer satisfaction, with Zach Epstein from Boy Genius stating, Samsung will finish 2014 with a much-needed win. Or Business Insider's Julie Bort stating that, why the change in customer satisfaction? The larger-sized iPhone 6 and 6 Plus must be an issue. And Engadget stating that Bengate probably didn't help either. Problem with all of them is they forgot this thing covered in J-School 101. It's called fact-checking. As in, the survey cited came from May 2014, before the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus even launched. The company the survey is from is ACSI, and the survey was called uh, the American Customer Satisfaction Index and was from a survey they did between January 13th and March 11th, 2014. So yeah, anyone commenting about the iPhone 6 or 6 Plus or Ben um No, I don't think so. Not unless they were time travelers. Again, this old data and pre-iPhone 6 and 6 Plus data, when many were pining away for a larger iphone which came this past fall you can see why there was a little bit of a bias there anyway the next survey from them will not be out until around may of 2015 but expect this time people to pay much closer attention to it unless of course it's positive for apple then most of those that misreported it this time around they'll just ignore it next time around right zach julie huh I've mentioned Marco Arment on the show before. He is someone I really respect as a coder and his ability to see market trends and then act on those trends. He is responsible for Tumblr, Instapaper, and now Overcast, and has a very good podcast to boot. There are people I have met or talked with throughout my life that think they are smarter than everyone else in the room, and then there are those that know they are. Marco would definitely be in the latter group and that is not a bad thing. Steve Jobs was that way, Bob Camp, one of my mentors was that way as well. There are only a few people I know that fall into that latter group. And again, Marco is one I have deep respect for. These are people that actually get really cool stuff done because they have the confidence and tools as an in intellectual tools to make good decisions. That is called the setup Marco wrote a post last weekend that got a lot of play, to say the least, titled, Apple Has Lost the Functional High Ground. It was a post, he said, basically the quality of Apple's software is not up to the level he and we have been used to. He did state that, still, Apple's OSs are much better than the alternatives, but that part of the reason for the degradation in quality from Apple Apple compared to past OSs from Apple is that Apple has put itself on these artificial timelines in the last couple years and that Apple really should not do major updates this year but rather just fix all the bugs and get the OSs up to Apple standards or traditional Apple standards. Because of the publicity of this mostly with misquotes or partial quotes taken out of context, Marco wrote another post saying he wished he did not write the first one. But I want to say this I agreed with Marco's comments in the first post. Apple's OS, both Mac and iOS, have had more bugs and issues than I have been used to. I just updated to Yosemite over Christmas vacation, or IP 4 it actually, and wow, it is slower than Mountain Lion. I did skip Mavericks, and the reason I skipped Mavericks is because of all the warnings to stay away. Little things, like when I click on the volume control, take seconds to show a response, and don't even have in the beeps to hear the level, or that you clicked it to adjust. Netflix no longer works with Safari on my cinema display. I have to use Chrome. It has felt a little like death by a thousand paper cuts since updating. And this little piece of segment took about 20 minutes to record, this little one-minute clip here, because the Mac locked up, and GarageBand locked up, and these are things that I wasn't used to having happen before. And Just to let you know, using GarageBand now, after been podcasting for 10 years, I feel like I have a learning curve. Uh, It's been that much of a pain. Little things in GarageBand, like where you used to hit the Z key to go all the way back to the beginning, that's no longer there. I can't move the playhead. I have to go up and use the mouse and click on the button to move back. Again, a lot of little things, sometimes big things like the lockups. And listeners to this show know of the issues with iOS 8 and not being able to update without an issue until 8.1. Heck, just open Safari on your iPhone 6 Plus and put it in landscape mode. Chances are, it'll crash on you, depending on the site you're visiting. So what Marco said in his original post was true, at least from what I see. It is just sad that the Apple haters picked and choose what to report on and what to skip, like the part about iOS and OS 10 still being better than the competition. As a side note, I actually got an email from Marco Friday night after I had written the above part of this show notes. It's kind of creepy. Marco, are you on my Evernote account? Okay, it was about lips and stuff, but still the timing was really creepy. Apple had a press release this past week, which I'm sure had nothing at all to do with Marco's post. Just purely a coincidence in the timing, that is all. That PR was titled, Apple Store Rings in 2015 with New Records. And it was about all the money Apple is making developers. The first week of 2015 set new records with nearly half a billion dollars in sales. That's half a billion dollar sales one week. In 2014, apps generated over $10 in revenue for devs. And to date, App Store devs have earned a combined $25 billion. That's a lot of clams. They also talked about Apple Pay, but not really in numbers. Just rah-rah type stuff. But I did get a chance to use Apple Pay a few times on my trip to New York, including at the Toys R Us in Times Square and the Hershey's store in Times Square. Both were taking Apple Pay. Both worked without an issue. While in New York City, I did test my connection speeds per the last episode when I mentioned where T-Mobile supposedly had the higher speeds for LTE in New York City. Um, well, not in Times Square, they did not. I did multiple tests, and they came in between 3.72 and 9.9 megabits per second on the download and 4.41 and 12.34 megabits per second on the upload, not the greater than 100 megabits per second speed claimed in their recent release for New York City. It might be that way in other parts of the city, but not in Times Square. For comparison's sake, I just ran the same speed test in my house in Overland Park, Kansas, Not one of the ultra-high-speed locations they claimed to be. And I had 31 megabits per second down and 16.2 megabits per second up. And I ran that test a few more times with the same or slightly higher numbers. So again, I did not see that great new speed in New York City they talked about. But if you're in New York City and you do, let me know. I also want to thank Jeff D., who sent in his LTE speeds from T-Mobile from 30 miles north of Houston. He was getting 66.5 down and 24.15 up. Those are pretty good numbers. I want to thank Linda again for sponsoring today's show. Kickstart your new year and challenge yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to Linda at Lynda.com slash TII. Linda is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,100 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of the courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added at the site every week. Whether you want to set new financial goals, find work, life balance, invest in a new hobby, ask your boss for a raise, find a new job, or improve upon your current job skills in 2015, Linda has something for everyone. Sign up for your free 10-day trial today by visiting lindacom TII, and you'll get unlimited access to every course on Linda access to view tutorials on iOS devices, access to new courses added every week, some of the courses and videos you might like, Getting Things Done by David Allen, helping you get more productive, Small Business Secrets with Dave Crenshaw, Gamification of Learning with Carl Kapp, Business Writing Fundamentals with Judy Steiner-Williams, and one of the courses I've tried recently and love is Keynote 6 Essential Training with David Rivers. This has helped me since updating from Keynote 4. Well, lots of new features to discover. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for a free 10-day trial to Lynda by visiting lindacom T-I-I. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot T-I-I. Go ahead. I challenge you to learn something new in 2015.
1: Hi Rob, this is Andrew from the Bay Area. Um, I am a recent purchaser of an iPad Air 2. Um, I had a Android tablet before and unfortunately it died on me and I did the smart thing and bought an iPad. My question is, there is a feature that I was used to on the Android tablet where you could draw the notification bar down and there is a persistent notification that you could pre-select which apps would be represented there. So I would have to go to an app drawer or where all my apps were to open that app. I could just draw down my notification bar and open my app there. My question is, is there in such an app for iOS uh, where I could draw down a notification bar and open whatever app that I had set there or in the control center on the bottom? That I guess that could be a widget or... or or anything, I guess. If that's not an option for a unjailbroken iOS device, uh, how would you go about doing that if that's needed on an iPad that has already gotten the update and not a fresh install and over-the-air update of 8.1.2? All right. Thanks a lot. Bye.
0: Hi Andrew. I'm not aware of any way to do that in the notification bars when you pull it down, or or the toolbar when you pull it up, but one thing you might just want to do is put a folder in your bottom dock. So put a folder in your bottom dock with your most important apps, maybe a couple of folders, and that way you could just tap on that folder in the bottom dock. When you hit the home button, just anytime you're in an app, hit the home button, it'll take you right to your home screen, any home screen where you were. doesn't matter, but the dock will be there, and then you'll see the folder and tap the folder, and then it'll take you to your most important apps. I mean, I'm not sure how many apps you're looking to do. Obviously, you can have a lot of apps in, in multiple folders, but your key ones, you can put in there and have a few different folders so that you don't have to scroll through. and just tap to the different one, and then one tap, one more tap, and you've got the app that you want. So that would be my recommendation to you. There's probably a way to do this jailbroken, and if anyone wants to give us a call for the best jailbroken app to do what Andrew's looking for, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to today ios at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, answer to Levi's question about how to set up exchange email on iPhone. Go to settings, email, add account, tap exchange, enter your exchange email address and password. In my experience, the email settings will auto-configure so at this point, you're done. However, it's possible that it doesn't. In that case, you will need to enter the server address and toggle SSL on or toggle SSL off. You can get this info from your IT department. Hope that helps. Chase D. Well, thank you, Chase, for that answer. We are now over 1,800 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode came out and has lots of comments was from Craig Lucas, whom asked, quote, Now that the Apple Podcast app is a stock app, when do you think it'll get updates? I've gone over to Overcast just to get away from the severe bugs that still plague it, unquote. There was some banter back and forth in the comments about the podcast app, but personally, I use it more than any other podcast aggregator out there, and it works very well for me. If anyone has not tried it lately, it is very much improved from the initial release and even the 2.0 release. That said, Craig has a point on if it will get updates other than with major releases. Still, per some of the banter in the comments, I can say without any shadow of a doubt, the Apple Podcast app is the most used aggregator app for podcasts. So much so that if you combined all the other aggregator apps for smartphones and computers, including iTunes. Apple's podcast app still beats them all. It is now around 50% of all podcast downloads. Not just mobile downloads, all downloads on all platforms. 50% for the podcast app. The closest thing to the podcast app is iTunes at around 15%. After that, nothing is in double digits or even above 4%. So regardless of what some people may feel about the podcast app, it is clearly the king of the hill and is now natively installed in over half a billion iOS devices. Compare that to zero installs of a native podcasting app on Android. And you understand quickly why podcasts are downloaded six times more on iOS devices than Android devices. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because it is the most used doesn't make it the best, i.e. McDonald's is the most visited restaurant in the world, but it's definitely not the best. And I know many people out there that love Castro, Overcast, and Downcast, and those are really good apps, all of them. But from a usage number perspective, they are not even close to those that are using the podcast app. But Craig, to try to answer your question, I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen now with the podcast app. I hope it will still continue to get major updates and continual improvements for the few bugs that are still there. I I do think it's a pretty solid app, though. And since the last episode,
2: there were also dozens and
0: dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android Boys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to com slash community to join in. And thanks to all eighteen hundred plus of you already in the community and contributing. Uh, one more item from Google Plus I thought was interesting, and this is from Myron Euchre Quote, I noticed a message indicator on my T Mobile app today on my iPhone. I looked at it and it said I had not restarted my device in two weeks, and they recommended you restart them on a regular basis. I was kind of surprised. I had not I had been it had been that long, but it's not something I think about, unquote. Well, obviously there's a way for them to tell how often and how long the device has been active since the last reboot. But yeah, it is a good idea every now and then to clear out and close out all your open apps and go to network settings and do a reset network settings. And that'll really clear everything out. I know I was having some problems the other day with my iPhone 6 Plus and it was chewing up battery when there was nothing... It was supposed to be active, and I did the reset network settings, and that issue went right away. From the you-can't-make-this-stuff-up category, Apple this week was awarded a patent for a flexible phone. No word if that is to retro-cover the iPhone 6 Plus. Oh, come on. How could I not throw in that joke? Actually, this patent is for an iPhone that is supposed to bend, or as they call it, a flexible electronic device. Said device would include flexible screens, flexible batteries, and flexible circuit boards. As with most Apple patents that are issued and no product is available at that time, it is likely we will never see said product. But at least the patent gives everyone a good laugh, all things considered. Lawyer time. And this time there's a class action lawsuit. Well, there's always a class action lawsuit. But this is a new class action lawsuit Because Apple's 16-gig iPhone does not have 16-gig of free storage space. Duh. This is nothing new. All devices chew up a bunch of their free space. We've talked about this before. Apple OS typically takes up less space, though, than the other guys. With a 16-gig iPhone 6 Plus, iOS 8 takes up about 20% of the 16-gig. It's 19% for the six. That's about 3 gig. Now, Apple is not the only one lawyers have gone after. They also went after a Microsoft for the Surface tablet, where the 32 gig version actually had over 50% of the storage used by the OS. Google's KitKat, the latest version from Android, by the way, is about 5.5 gig, but can be much bigger depending on what is added by the carriers can be a little bit smaller, i.e. for the Nexus with uh, some of the OEM crap not in there. But in all cases, it is larger than iOS 8. The Galaxy S4, early last year, for a 16-gig device, had almost 50% used by Android and the SAMI editions that went with Android. And the S5, uh, that was released a little bit later in the year, had over 50% of the 16-gig used. Fact is, no smartphone has the free storage the same as the total storage, but iOS devices do come closest. Still, I have recommended, and will continue to recommend, you get at least a 64 gig version of any iOS device that you're looking at. Per the lawsuit, this is just lawyers doing what they do, and Apple haters doing what they do, over-reporting on it. Hopefully this one gets thrown out. One of the new rumors to come out this past week is that the Apple Watch launch is now expected in March with retail training set for mid-February. Seems Apple is missing one of the best dates of the year for a watch. You know, that would be February 14th, Valentine's Day, nice time for wives and husbands to get each other something nice like a watch. I really was thinking they would hit that date, or the 13th actually of February. That would put the launch on the Friday. However, the source of this rumor is sources familiar with the situation that are reporting this. They also report that the pricing for the stainless steel and sapphire model will start around $500 versus the $349 price for the sports model with glass. Well, we already knew about this last price because Apple confirmed that 349 price. The gold version is priced at, if you have to ask, it's not for you levels. But if you just can't wait until March or even February to see how the Apple Watch will work, there is now a site where you can demo the Apple Watch online. This is at the site demoapplewatch.com. Clever and subtle URL. You can click on the apps on the home screen and see them launch. Click on the digital crown and return to the home screen. And if you click on the iTunes app, you can play a song from Coldplay. This looks best when viewed on an iPhone. Again, the site is demo.applewatch.com. One listener wrote in to ask me who I was rooting for for Monday's championship game in the for the NCAA football. I'll, I'll give you a hint: it's the state that starts with an O. Benedict Evans, a partner at Anderson Horowitz, was able to get data from Baidu's dev site. Baidu is China's leading search engine, or the Google of China just not as evil as Google. Oops, did I say that out loud? Need to remember to edit that out and post. Per said data, Benedict found was that Samsung's share in China was down from 22% at the start of 2014 to 12.5% at the end of 2014. Ouch. While Apple's share is up from 20% to at the start of 2014 to over 25% at the end of 2015. Sammy could really have used that win to end 2014, Uh, the one that BGR gave them credit for. Just saying. It's the email bag. Hi, Rob. This article is funny. Well, okay, not for the poor people suckered into these devices. Please share this with the audience. I tell everybody I know about how insecure Android is. Regards, Mr. Max. Well, thank you, Mr. Max. And thanks for the heads up on this article from ZDNet titled... Cheap Black Friday Cyber Monday Android Tablets Rifled with Vulnerabilities and Security Headaches. Wow, long title. Why not just say Android Tablets are Insecure? Duh. A security firm called Blue Book Labs purchased a dozen Black Friday bargain Android tablets and what they found is enough to send any IT manager diving for cover. Quote, most of the devices ship with vulnerabilities and security misconfigurations. A few even include security backdoors. What seemed like great bargains turned out to be big security concerns. Unfortunately, unsuspecting consumers who purchase and use these devices will be putting their mobile data and passwords at risk, unquote, said Andrew Block at Blue Box. But really, when has Android ever been associated with security? And the cheaper the device, the more likely you are to have security issues. As they state in the article, you definitely don't want to be doing any online banking on your Android tablets. I guess uh, use it for Netflix and Angry Birds, and that's about it. Thanks to Stephen W. for this next one, and it's under the category, Aren't you glad you're not on Android? Okay, that's a really broad category when you think about it. Anyway, this is about the movie The Interview. That's the one that had all the controversy around Christmas and not being shown in theaters because of threats. Well, a fake app was making its round in South Korea, claiming you could download a copy of the movie. But actually, it did normal Android malware stuff and stole users' bank account details instead. Oops! Hey, but only about 20,000 devices were infected. We've seen worse. So much for my New Year's resolution about not beating up Android too much this
2: year. Oh, well. Hi, Ron, Bob, have been listening to your podcast and learning a great deal. Recently, unfortunately, I have uh, become blind and it's made my use of technology more difficult. I am looking for someone to help me use the accessibility features of voiceover on the iPhone 6, even whatever they could probably with on, on, on the iPhone, on the Mac as well. And I don't know where to begin to find people that will provide the like, private service. I live in Washington, D.C. If you have any pointers on how to find someone that provides professional training services in the iOS or the uh, iPhone 6 or even in uh, Yosemite or the MacBook, I would be very appreciative. Thank you.
0: Actually, I do know of a place in Washington, D.C. that can help you with this. It's the local Apple store you should contact your local Apple store, let them know what you need for training, and they will let you know when they have sessions or if you just come in for a one-on-one. But yeah, the Apple Store will be more than happy, or at least they should be more than happy, to help you with the accessibility features and teach you how to learn that. So contact your local Apple Store, ask them how to get someone training on this, and I'm sure they're going to be more than happy to let you know. But if anyone else out there has any suggestions, please let us know, 206-666-6364, that's 206 Moondog, or send an email to today at, iOS at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I have been using an app recently called Pushbullet. It allows you to send links, files, messages to and from any of your devices, including iOS, Android, Mac, Chrome, and Windows. For example, I have it set up on my iPhone, iPad, and Windows 8 laptop, as well as Chrome. Uh, If I see something I want on one of my other devices, no matter which device I'm on, I simply open Pushbullet, select which device I want to send it to, and click Push it, and it almost instantly appears on the device I'm sending it to. I have used this for photos, URLs, and directions, among others. I'm sure there are other ways to do this, saved Dropbox, for example, but this is so much simpler and quicker. Regards, Simo, Wellington, New Zealand. I'll like you, CMO or SIMO, uh, I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name, but folks, that again is push bullet one word. From the Google Plus community from Dan R, quote, I need a good alarm clock app for my six plus. I use headphones to sleep with binaural beats and the stock clock alarm does not play through the Bluetooth headphones. It plays through the phone and not only wakes me up, but also my wife as well. So I need an alarm clock app that will only play through the connected cordless Bluetooth headphones I'm wearing so I can wake up and not disturb my wife, Unquote. One suggestion was the app called Workflow. But that did not work, so no one in the community was actually able to answer the question. But if anyone listening can, please let us know. 206 That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Time to give you a reason to spend more money. This week's Kickstarter project is cord to go Charge and sync lightning keychain for iPhone and iPad. Which, well, as the project's title may indicate, is a lightning to USB sync and charge cable for iOS devices with lightning ports that fits into a very small package of size uh, that can be used as a keychain. So it's actually a little bit smaller than the regular key itself. This one has a modest goal of 10K and is raised about 14K, so it is funded. If you are interested in this one, you have until January 19th at 4.37 p.m. Central Time to fund it. Pricing on this is just $15. It is Apple MFI certified as well. If interested in this one, search for Cord2Go, one word, C-O-R-D-2, the number 2, G-O, at Kickstarter, or in the show notes for episode 333 at todayinios.com. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to share a fix I found with the community. My wife's iPhone 5S had under 300 photos on it and a dozen videos. But in settings, general, usage, managed storage, and iTunes, it was registering around 13 gig and just under 3,000 photos. I took it to the Genius Bar and they told me to restore to factory settings, then restore her profile. This would force it to reload and fix the issue. I did that. To no avail. I took it back to the Genius Bar, and they said it was something in her profile, and we'd have to restore it as a new phone and just use it like that. I wasn't willing to accept that answer, so I did some investigation on my own. I connected it to my Mac and ran iExplorer, browsed to the Media slash DCIM folder, and found folders numbered 100 Apple to 108 Apple. I copied them to my Mac and found that there really were about almost 3,000 photos in there. I found the link below and followed it for each folder. Some I had to delete twice as they came back. This deleted all her photos, but I wasn't worried because I had already copied them to my Mac. After the reboot, I checked her phone and it was fixed. The solution worked for me and hopefully will work for others. Regards, Lou V. And for anyone that's interested in this, the link uh, in the show notes for this one is called Macro Plant, How to Delete All Photos from an iPhone. And you can see that in the show notes for episode 333. Thank you, Lou V. The very excellent Daniel Aaron Dilger from Apple Insider had a great editorial piece titled The World Revolved Around Apple in 2014. It starts with this gem, quote, In 2014, the world's journalists, investors, and software developers all collectively discovered they'd been disastrously wrong about Apple in 2013, and with good reason, unquote. To which I then said, can I hear an amen? I am not going to go over the whole article, fair use and all that. Plus, I think his articles are must-reads anyway. But there is one other item in the article I wanted to mention, and that is with regards to developers. He points out how in 2013, when Apple haters and Android fanboys in the press were at their worst, they were saying Android was winning, iPads were collapsing, 64-bit did not matter, and all anyone wanted was the cheapest iPhones available. And well, in 2014, the world learned what we have been saying here all along, and that is, that's all total poppycock. Or, well, words much stronger than that for most the coverage of Apple versus Samsung in 2014 is priceless. Again, the whole article is uh, a must read, but yeah, read the part about Apple v. Samsung. Um, especially for those that in 2013, you know, kept saying that all Apple, all that Apple doom and gloom was poppycock. Yeah, this article just makes you stick your chest out and go, Yep, I knew I was right. Search for the article. The world revolved around Apple in 2014 in the show notes for episode 333 at todayinios.com or in the links in the TI app. Back to the email bag. Hi Rob, I have been frustrated with only one thing on my iPhone 6 Plus, the camera app. My wife and I have been fostering the cutest 20-month-old twin boys and we try to capture the funny and adorable things they do on video. Today I learned something that I'd like to pass on to other iPhone photographers about the camera app interface. I really should have figured this out sooner. My frustration with the camera app came when I tried to switch from photo mode to video mode. I thought the only way to do this was by using the swiping gesture to switch modes. I had missed many cute moments because the app didn't respond fast enough to my swipe gesture, or it would just sometimes do a different thing like adjust exposure. Today I discovered that I could tap the words video, photo, ...and other mode labels instead of swiping. I really should have known this, but the interface text seemed more like labels than buttons to me. But Apple shouldn't allow multiple gestures to do the same thing. Hope that I was able to help other rookie iOS photographers out there capture their images more quickly. Now the only peeve that I have with the camera app is that photos don't use the whole screen like uh, videos do. The image is confined to the middle area not allowing image capture to, at the two ends of the screen where the interface buttons reside. Other third-party camera apps do allow for using these end areas. Hopefully iOS 8.2 will fix this. Regards, Paul from Bend, Oregon. From the Google Plus community via Mark Henry, quote, For the jailbroken enthusiasts who enjoy detailed battery usage tweak from Cydia but hates losing the stock usage and standard timers, Try Battery Usage Enhancer, one word, by Elijah Fredrickson. Add the repo source, http colon forward slash forward slash elijahandandrew.com slash repo forward slash unquote. Thank you, Mark, for the heads up on that.
1: Uh, Hi, Rob. Good morning. This is Fayaz again from New York, Long Island. Somebody asked about the messages that uh, you get if your data is off, and uh, every time you open an app, it gives you a dialog. There is a jailbroken um, tweak called No Annoyance. No Annoyance in the jailbroken uh, in the in the on the Cydia App Store is free. It takes care of uh, messages like that. I mean, just doesn't turn off. Uh, That particular message also turns off some other messages which mm, you might be able to uh, tweak a little bit what it does through the setting. So, CDI app, no annoyance. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for the heads up on no annoyance. In a sign that Apple has finally made it to where supply is equal to or greater than demand for the iPhone 6 or 6 Plus, Apple is now offering SIM-free, unlocked iPhone 6 and 6 Pluses in the U.S. As expected, the pricing for the 1664 and 128 gig iPhone 6s are $649, $749, and $849, respectively. Add another $100 for each one of those, and that's what the 6 Plus storage levels will cost you. Into the email bag we go. Hey Rob, I have enjoyed the show for about two and a half years. I try to buy from the advertisers when possible. I love my 6 Plus Plus. Big step up from the five. I got this sexy little aluminum case on eBay. Solid corners with uh, two screws. Looks cool and should be good protection. However, I'm losing about one bar on my power meter. I only have about two bars at work, so I am offline part of the day. Just wanted to throw out a warning there that metal cases can hurt your reception. Regards, Dana in Central Florida. Hi, Dana. Yes, yes they can, but thanks for the reminder. Which leads us to this next story sent in from Michael, which is about the Reach 79 iPhone case that is supposed to give you up to 2x stronger signal level so you can download faster. So the exact opposite of the case that Dana's using. I actually reached out to the company requesting a press sample. I will see what they say. But if anyone does get one of these Reach 79 cases, please let me know if it works for you. It is definitely sounding a little questionable or too good to be true, uh, which is why I reached out to them. I'd like to get one of those in my hand and do some testing before I could actually recommend you buying that. Oh boy, this next one's not good news for devs. A week ago, Apple introduced 14-day, no-questions-asked refunds in the EU for App Store and iTunes Store purchases. This seems to stem from some EU regulations. The big issues right now are twofold. One, anyone, for any reason or no reason at all, can get their money back for app purchase or any other purchases from iTunes or the uh, App Store. But when they do... On the app side, the app continues to work, i.e. you get the app for free forever. Gee, can't see anyone at all possibly abusing this. What a nightmare this is going to be for Apple and devs. Essentially, if you are a dev right now, you can just basically write off or ignore any sales you were expecting or seeing already from the EU countries. The numbers are about to get all turned around. Oh, and this is supposed to be the case for music and movies as well. So, basically, you could buy a movie, watch it, then cancel your purchase. The whole idea of having two weeks to get refunds for digital purchases is ridiculous. But apparently, is EU law as well? A law that I am sure you will hear that this year will result in lots and lots of digital content being pulled from iTunes and other digital marketplaces in the EU and other digital stores in the EU as well. It will be interesting to see if Apple will be allowed to put in place a policy of you're only allowed X number of returns in X period of time before your accounts closed. Obviously, with apps continuing to work after the purchase is canceled is an issue on Apple's side and and something Apple has caused and needs to address ASAP. But the EU law is the real issue here. And when laws hurt those creating the content and apps, ultimately that is bad for consumers, the same ones I'm sure the lawmakers were meaning to protect. But really, this is just stupid. Expect more on this story probably quite a bit more on this story in the future.
1: Hey Rob, it's John from Vancouver, Canada calling. I just listened to episode 332 and uh, the person who was talking about the Lookout app being a good replacement for Find My iPhone, uh, he said that he liked Lookout because it would let him go to any computer and locate his device. And he's probably not aware that if you go to www.icloud.com and log in with your iCloud password, they have find my iPhone there. And so you can do the same functionality from any computer with a web browser. And I have had to do that myself to locate my wife's cell phone in the, uh, in the house when my battery was dead. So love the show. First time calling in. Uh, like the new app as well. Thanks, Rob. Keep up the good work and see you in 2015.
0: John, thanks for the feedback. Back to the email bag. Hey, Rob, I'm a 15-year-old Puerto Rican teenager who has extreme passion for technology and has decided to go back to 2007 and listen to your oldest podcast. And currently, I'm on item 50 and your second son's birth. If you ever read this on the public episode, which I would appreciate... I will probably be 16 years old at that time. Regards, Hector P. Well, Hector, thanks for listening all the way through when you finally get here, and happy 16th birthday, belated by then. Hi, Rob, I wanted to write in with an app review. I love the feature the desktop web version of Google Maps has where you can adjust a route if you don't want exactly what Google gives you. For example, Say you like a given route but want to avoid Elm Street because it gives you nightmares, you can drag the route to avoid it. The problem is there is no way to get that route to your iPhone to use turn-by-turn navigations. InRoute, the app, one word, I-N-R-O-U-T-E, is a great app that lets you drop several pins to create waypoints to customize your trip. After you're done, you can save your route or export it uh, to one of the several navigation apps, such as Apple Maps, Google, Waze, TomTom, and Navigon. I like apps like Navigon that support full nav mode because they allow you to have more than one destination at a time. For apps that don't support multiple waypoints, uh, an agenda nav loads each individually as you approach them. There are other great features as well, such as a graph that plots curviness of the route. There is a free version that gives you a few pins and a paid version that allows up to 25 pins for only a few dollars. It is a great app, and I highly recommend it to those that want more control over their routes. Regards, Lou V. And Again, that is in route, one word.
3: Hey, Rob. First time, long time. Yo, what's up? Hey, uh, just checking out that uh, lookout app that I just heard that guy talking about on your podcast, which I was currently listening to now. So that was a pretty good idea. Concerned about location services and you know storing my data and packing all that stuff up, but of course we all know that if you know what you're doing, that's all being done anyways or getting done when you do it. Nevertheless, pretty cool app. Hey, log into it. Email password hit screen. Only catch is you got to have the app up and running. So I'm on my uh, company time uh, GPS and right now, so I can't, you know, back away from the app to see what it's running at as far as if it's pulling data. But nevertheless, really cool, real quick, actually fast than going into iPhone, find my iPhone, all that good stuff, you know. Lookout.com, pops up, Gmail password, hit screen. Sounds like an ambulance. Guess the only thing I'd change, if i change anything or add, would be uh, all your lights and everything going off so it actually looks like a siren. Thanks again for everything you do. You're making me the go-to guy at the household. it come slim to none sometimes with kids and all. Nevertheless, thanks again. God bless and Merry Christmas.
0: Thanks for the feedback. Back to the email bag. Hey, Rob, happy new year. Congratulations on having the most hours of podcasts in 2014. And best wishes for much similar success with your new podcast. In your latest episode of Today in iOS, a listener reviewed the Lookout app that helped him find his iPhone when it's lost. In this review, he mentioned two features of Lookout that he mistakenly believed find my iPhone didn't have, the ability to find your phone using a computer and the ability to find your phone after the battery dies. I wrote an article about Find My iPhone last month at the Wonder of Tech that explains how the app has both of those features. Find My iPhone, the very first app you should get. You can log into iCloud.com from any computer to use Find My iPhone to locate your iPhone. Also beginning with iOS 8, you can have Find My iPhone send the iPhone's location to iCloud right before the battery dies. That feature is opt-in, so many people don't realize it exists. I wanted to clarify for your listeners that they don't need a third-party app to get the features that the Lookout app has. Find My iPhone does it all. Cheers, Carolyn. Well, Carolyn, thanks, and I'll have a link in the show notes for episode 333 titled Find My iPhone, the very first app you should get, and that'll take you to Carolyn's article. I want to thank, once again, lynda.com for their support of TII. And if you go to lynda.com slash TII, that's L-Y-N-D-A dot slash TII, you'll get a free 10-day trial to their 3,100-plus video tutorials. Thanks, Linda for sponsoring this show and for the free offer. And before we go today, I wanted to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else, an app, a product review, good or bad. As long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And, of course, we are always looking for more music created on your iOS device to play on the show. I haven't had any new music sent in in quite some time, so folks, please send in some music. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly desired. And don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to com slash community. And finally... There is the new and updated version of the TII app that is now free to you. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released. Because, you know, I release on such a regular basis. Uh, I never know if it's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I have released on every day of the week. You never know which day I'm going to release. So please go right now and download the TII app. And I want to thank you guys for... For your patience, I know I've been gone for about three weeks, but hey, it was holiday, and I needed to just take a little break, recharge, and also learn Yos- Yosemite and how to reuse GarageBand again. So I think everything's good, and going forward, we should be a little bit more regular now. Knock on wood. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different.